0: guys welcome back to the buck fever podcast as always you got me i'm noah and we've got jake right beside me and we have a special guest today joining us virtually so this is this is the first time we've ever done this i don't know how it's gonna go we've we've got our hopes high things are looking good we've done a lot of testing but we have no idea how it's actually gonna hold up but this is a guy who has been on our channel a couple of times now um as he just mentioned when we were chit-chatting here before we started rolling, he kind of carried the team a little bit uh, this fall when it came to all the deer hunting stuff. He shot a couple bucks and filmed a couple more, uh, and that's that's more than the rest of us can yeah. say for sure. <laughs> Combined. Um, so we've got a good guest for you today, Eli Jackson. Eli, thank you for joining us.
1: You bet. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, this it's is crazy the... that this is the first time we've ever uh, – ever sort of met yeah
0: i know it's it's so weird because we were we can get into that a little bit because it it was a couple years ago when i had the idea to invite colby to film for us with all of our hunting stuff because i knew that colby was a big hunter and you know he, he didn't really film anything at the time but i was like well it's it's not gonna hurt see if he wants to film and I remember I asked him and then he kind of took a couple of days to think about it and he was like, ah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe I could take a look at some of your equipment, kind of see what it's all about. And so then we met up and showed him all of that. And, um, you know, things kind of went well. He's like, yeah, I might give it a try. And then the equipment we gave him was horrible for yeah, the first year, junk. which wasn't intentional. It's just, we had junk equipment. That's all. That was the best we could do at the time. And, um, we were very lucky that he wanted to come back for a second year this this previous fall and he brought brought Eli with him and thank god for that because Eli Eli really carried the team this year so what was what was that like when Colby asked you if you wanted to film how did that all go
1: we were in Canada fishing I believe and um somewhere on our our trip he brought up the idea of filming and you know i didn't even hesitate i'm like yeah sure i'll give it a shot i said just so the disclaimer is out there that if there's a big buck that shows up and i don't get it on camera nobody's going to be upset with me because my priority is still going to be hunting um but yeah he asked i said sure i'll give it a crack and kind of forgot about it, and then when we were doing all of our, um, you know, preseason work, final, final clearing of, of limbs on tree stands and um, getting getting ready for our food plot and all that, he's like, hey, by the way, um, I got your camera along with, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right, I agreed to film this here, so <laughs> sounds good.
0: Well, and it, it didn't take you very long before... You uh, put that to use and got your, your first buck on camera, and that was kind of a, a crazy story there, a crazy way to go after that buck because that was a buck that you had seen, um, I, I think, a, a couple of times that year, and then eventually you just decided you've had enough. And we're only talking a couple weeks in. You decided you've had enough, and you decided to ambush him. So what was that like?
1: Yeah, it was uh, that was the second weekend of the season. Um, and I actually, I had not seen that deer on the hoof. There's a different buck that, uh, I had two encounters with out of my first three sits. So, um, I had opening, opening day. Um, the, the buck that, uh, that I was actually trying to kill, um, showed up and that was within my first you know, two hours I think of of filming. We were all texting back and forth, and it was like I got in there at two. By two thirty, I I'd seen a seen a pretty decent buck, and you know, a little bit later saw a doe, and then all of a sudden, this other one showed up, and I'm like, oh wow, you know, maybe maybe having a camera up here is lucky. <laughs> uh, but I ended up getting pegged um, by a doe that was that was out in the food plot with this, with this buck and, and he got, he got a little bit spooked and ran off. Um, so the following week on Friday I went out and was sitting in one of our stands and, and it's just a more or less an observation stand. It can be, it can be pretty good early season, uh, when the crops are still standing cause everything is, uh, it's strip farming down in this area. Uh, so you have about, you know, 30, 40 yard wide strip of corn, then, uh, some sort of, a, a green, uh, and then soybeans. So it can be good early season, depending on the crop rotation, because it sort of funnels the deer, uh, past that stand. But I just went out and sat in it to, to observe. And I had, uh, Mr. Krabs is what we were calling him. He was, um, he, he popped out, uh, from the food plot that I was sitting in earlier or uh, the weekend prior and he was with another buck and a doe and they were working their way right over towards me. And they got about 60 yards out and a raccoon came out of the corn and spooked the doe that was in the lead of the group. And uh, that was enough to kind of make him skittish and they ended up kind of taking off. So um, that's sort of what led led to my decision to sit where i was sitting i was kind of thinking you know deer are either going to come out over there and kind of work their way across or they'll come out of the the woods that's right behind me Um, and because of the strip farming uh, i was sort of sitting in a funnel Uh, so i cut my way into the corn and and it ended up just working out and happening so the buck that i shot that was the, the number one number one hit lister that we had on camera, and, um, you know, that in itself was pretty intense, so. And
0: you shot him while you were sitting in a cornfield. Is that something you've ever tried before, or was this like your first time, hey, I got an idea?
1: So, I have tried it before. Uh, I, I had not had success with it before, um, and the reason I had tried it in the past was sort of by accident. Uh, and it was when it was before I knew what I know now about the property that, that I hunt on. And I was going out in the morning and I saw a target deer, um, through the binoculars about 300 yards away. So I jumped into the corn and kind of made my way closer to it. Um, never ended up getting a shot, uh, but ended up getting within about 50 yards of the steer. And um, the reason I didn't get a shot is because I wasn't able to trim out any of the stalks and I had corn leaves and and all kinds of stuff in the way. So um, it did not end up working out in the past, but uh, that's sort of what led to the idea of of doing this um, because the deer that I was trying to kill that day you know, he never spooked, uh, never really even had a clue I was there because I was tucked back in the corn a couple of rows. Uh, I just wasn't able to figure out a way to get out to the edge of it and, and get a shot, so.
0: I
2: mean, so that, high risk, high reward right there. Yeah,
0: that's something we've never really tried or even really thought of, I guess, and then.
2: Well, if, it's their situation's cool where they have that strips where yeah. you can get in there and then shoot the greens, like at least by me, it's just corn or beans the whole way and then right. five yards and then right into the woods. So y- y- it'd be kind of hard to
0: do that. And they make like those hay bale blinds yeah. that you can kind of, like if you had a field that has a bunch of hay bales in it, but that's kind of specific too. And I don't know yeah. how effective that is with like, our deer out in a field that's just got a bunch of hay bales yeah. in it? I don't out know. West maybe, maybe, but yeah, not I mean, in Wisconsin's a little right but that kind of ambush thing it it was like wow that's that's uh something that we probably wouldn't have done early season like that but then it just goes to show how much it can pay off yeah that was crazy i remember you by the time they texted us that they they
2: found them because you guys let them lay for quite a while and uh yeah you i think went to bed because you were still you were hunting that morning and i was still awake because we weren't hunting in the morning and I called you and texted, like, dude, they found him. I know they found him and nothing.
0: <laughs> I think I went to bed like twenty minutes yeah. before they found him. Yeah. <laughs> Which then I, looking back on, I kind of regret, but.
1: You gotta get your rest during hunting season. You know?
0: Yeah, I know it's, and I was, I don't know what I was thinking. I was kind of like, I guess I just didn't because you were getting up at five in the morning to go. Out. It was gonna be early. Yeah, I guess I just didn't know if you guys were close to him or what the deal was, and I was like, well. I guess it's, you know, it's going to be what it's going to be in the morning. Uh, Either find them and I'll wake up to a pretty cool text or maybe it'll be crickets or whatever if things don't go very well. But that's usually not like me. I'm not really afraid to stay up too late and just kind of wait that sort of thing out. So I I don't know what the deal was. But then you get in, the season kind of rolls on a little bit and you get into some more traditional hunting with Colby. And this is like pre-rut late october maybe you're kind of into the rut by now and you were along to film that one but that turned out to be a a pretty cool hunt too when he shot his buck with a bow this year
1: yeah yeah just i mean going going back to the one i shot in september uh before we get down the road any further the the craziest part about it is like i said i had never intentionally gone out and said i'm gonna sit in a cornfield um so getting set up um I wasn't exactly sure how I wanted to do it. And I had initially set up and I had one of my chairs, my swivel chairs that I have for my blind. Um, And I was, see, I was probably two rows, two rows in. And I sat there for about three minutes and I went, no, I got to get in further. So I ended up um, cutting the stalks on one more row of corn and diving back in there. And that's part of the reason why the filming, you didn't end up really being able to see the shot, but that's also the reason that I ended up getting that deer because I don't know if anybody who's, who's watched that video, uh, there's a, a short clip of a doe that's walking literally, you know, a yard away, um, along the edge of the corn. And, um, this whole thing happened and she came out and walked right next to the corn and stopped directly in front of me and actually stuck her head into the corn a row and was sitting there giving me the, (laughs) and I was just frozen. Like, Oh, don't move. Don't twitch. Don't breathe. Uh, and somehow she ended up pulling her head out of there and just carrying on with her business. So I could have, I could have leaned forward and reached out and touched her nose. That's how close she was to me. And, um, I'm sitting there thinking, Oh boy, here we go again. You know, another doe is going to blow an opportunity for, for one of these shooter bucks, because, um, I had seen that buck come out into the field, uh, before the doe did. And, um, you know, he was out in front of me somewhere while this whole thing was going on. And I'm like, all right, if she blows this whole thing is, is toast. So um, I don't know. There probably were 10 or 12 deer out in that field. And what ended up happening was it started to rain. And when it started to rain, there was a doe group in front of me that sort of spooked, which then spooked the bucks that were out in the field and they started to kind of head back. So, um, this point they were probably five to six yards away from me and that's why i wasn't able to reach up and adjust the camera and then there ended up being a corn stalk in front of you know where that deer was you can briefly see him step in there um, before i before i shot Uh, but i wasn't i wasn't gonna mess around it was it was go time so you know it could have been a little bit better footage but at the end of the day The deer is down and made a really good shot on him and ended up recovering him. So, exactly.
0: Well, just the commitment, too. Like, uh, just to be in, it's one thing to film when you're up in a tree stand and have a camera and then also be running a GoPro. That's a lot when you're on familiar ground, like uh, up in a tree. But then to go in a position like that and be in a cornfield and then you still had a camera rolling and you had a GoPro rolling. And you still got like pretty good film. I mean, yeah. you, you don't see like the the arrow go all the way through and you can slow-mo and whatever like you can on like some of the big TV, whatever. But y- you had great GoPro footage and then you also had really good shot footage where it's all like in frame. I mean, yeah, there's a corn stalk and whatever, but for the first one you've ever yeah, filmed. and by yourself too. To be in a cornfield like that, like that's still crazy. I, plenty of people wouldn't have even brought the cameras on an ambush mission like that. So, no, you, you got to get a lot of props for the effort on that one. And then, yeah, like you said, I, I forgot it was raining that day. I'm sure that didn't help much. It wasn't, like, downpouring, though, right? Just kind of enough to no. be annoying.
1: Yeah, it, it it hadn't been raining until those deer spooked. And then there was, like, a 5, to 10-minute shower that came through, and um, that's actually what got that buck back into the frame. I had another shooting lane um, that would have been further over to the right uh, that I was waiting for him to come out into but he never made it there and those deer spooked and it's a good thing he didn't make it there because there's no way I would end up being able to get the camera on. Yeah. Um, I just got lucky enough that he stepped into the frame where the camera was pointed um, when I made the shot.
0: And what was the hang-up with finding him? Because I know you did make a good shot, so what kind of threw you off there?
1: Well, what what threw me off a little bit is I knew he was quartered away from me, but I didn't know exactly how hard he was quartered away from me. And where the entry was, you know, if he would have been standing straight broadside, would have been back, um, like liver liver area yep and um it ended up being where he was quartered away enough where i ended up hitting the bottom of his liver and both lungs uh, and there was a small slice through the top of his heart so got all all four of the the major major organs but that was the hold up is i saw the thing hit because i have the you know aluminox on and you know, I could see where it hit, and I was like, oh, no, that might be a little bit back, and that's why we gave it a little more a little more time.
0: Right, so that makes sense, just to kind of give it some time and make sure you don't bump the deer or whatever, but I'll take a shot like that all day long. Mm-hmm. So after you went in there, then it was relatively quick to, to find them?
1: Sort of. So the deer ended up, the woods that the deer ran into, is um, the the guy that owns the property that allows us to hunt, he owns the first 10 yards of that woods and the property line is sort of at an angle. So depending on what part of the field you're on, it gets a little bit wider or a little bit narrower. So we needed to get permission from the neighbor um, to be able to go into his woods to recover the deer. Uh, so that took a little bit of time and there was not any blood that we found on impact. It's sort of hard to judge exactly where a deer is standing when it's in the middle of a field. Um, And we were probably just a couple of yards off. Uh, So we ended up finding blood at the tree line uh, where, where he ran in and then we tracked it about, you know, five to eight yards in and then waited for the neighbor to get there to finish it off. Um, it was really strange. Uh, we we were about a foot away from my arrow when we were in there, but we never found the arrow. So, something must have happened with the the lighted knock when it on impact, where the battery jarred loose or something. So the lighted uh-huh. knock was turned off, um, and we were sitting there looking for for a light in the middle on the ground in the woods. You know, never never ended up seeing the light, and went back in there and the neighbor when he was up there, he's like, well, here's your arrow.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: Oh, okay. Well we were standing a foot away from that spot. Good job. You yeah, know. Right. Uh, and then the deer turned like right where that arrow came out. So we originally were starting to go down a pretty heavy trail that goes out to a, to a point. Um, and when we, when we backtracked and ended up getting on the next blood, it was like, He must have jumped and turned and cleared some big deadfall um that you know a deer that's normally running would not have gone across because this thing was was pretty big but he must have just turned and jumped over that and gone about another 15 yards and there he was
0: wow it's crazy i know so then after that i'm sure there was a little bit of a celebration going on that how long had it been since you shot your last buck?
1: Oh, I I shot one last year. Um, well, I guess at this point it would be two years ago. So right. the twenty twenty one season, I had shot one, um, and then before that buck, it had been a couple years. I had a I had a streak of of bad luck. I think. 2020, I had more encounters with, with shooters than I ever had, had in the past. Um, but I just, it was always five minutes too late or, um, you know, the deer would turn and take a different trail or, um, you know, during, during the rut, a doe would come and deer would end up trailing this doe, uh, before it got to me. So there was always something, but I had... I had quite a few encounters. I had one where I was sitting in that um, observation stand I was telling you about. And like I said, that that woods that that thing is in, uh, the guy that owns the property only owns about the first 10 yards. So the buck was coming right along the edge and ended up cutting in. And I didn't know where the property line was. And I had him at about 10 yards and just decided not to shoot because he might have been on the neighbor's property, but right. that was a that was a big one. He was probably all of one sixty. Oh, um, so that took a little bit of self control. To oh
0: yeah yeah. yeah I bet. <laughs> but,
1: yeah, so you know, like I said, just a lot of encounters, but was not able to seal the deal. And then twenty nineteen could have been an epic year Um, actually in 2020 I hit one opening weekend and uh, that deer I hit and it must have been a little bit high and we had him on camera for like within three days of it happening Uh, but at that point I switched from mechanical broadheads over to fixed blade broadheads so yeah, I had a good streak. 2019, I had two that I didn't recover, and I was starting to kind of get, you know, down in the dumps. I had hit three deer in a row that that I didn't recover. Um, all three were with mechanical broadheads, and I feel like, I just felt like, you know, with where I had hit those deer, if I had been using a, a fixed blade uh, with a little bit heavier arrow and more knockdown power that I would have been able to punch through um, and get vitals so yeah it was a there was a streak there where things weren't not going my way and you know the last two two seasons have been, been pretty solid
0: so which which broadhead did you switch to
1: which broadhead did I switch to so <laughs> I went um I went through quite a few, um, what am I, I'm trying to think of what I'm even shooting now. Um, it'll come to me, but basically what I'm shooting now is a, it's a a two blade, uh, single bevel and it's got little bleeders on it. Um, it's a, it's made by Kudu.
0: Okay. I gotcha. Yeah. Because that's interesting because, you know, I feel like everybody has their different preferences when it comes to broadheads. And Jake shoots the Rage Tripan. like there's no tomorrow. Yeah, and that's, that's as them. mechanical as it gets. But, but
2: I will say when I was younger, I shot Rage, and I was only drawing like 35 pounds, and I lost and wounded and hit like probably five or six different deer because when you don't shoot a lot of poundage and you shoot mechanical, right. they don't open up or – it's just not, not worth it. So then I was shooting fixed blade for a while until I got older and could pull back a lot more. Yep. But now I live and die by the rage. So
0: Right. It's yep. kind of a, just an interesting thing, I guess. Everybody makes their own way. Obviously, pretty much any of these broadheads is going to kill deer. Well, yeah. If you
2: shoot them in the, for the most part in the right spot, you'll... Right. It, just, all, it, all, it comes down to shot placement, but at the same yeah. time, you get a little help either way with whatever broadhead you're shooting.
1: Yep so where i was kind of going wrong is i i always hug that shoulder pretty tight yep and that i think is what ended up you know costing me for sure one of them is i ended up hitting shoulder and a mechanical um if you hit shoulder because those blades have to open, you lose so much kinetic energy that it's not going to pound through. Um, same time, if you make a poor shot, but you hit the deer back, I think that there's a big advantage with the mechanicals because you're going to have a wider wound channel. You're going to get more blood. Um, it's going to cause more damage going through there and hopefully get that deer to lay down sooner. Um, so, you know, there, there's two sides to, to every story, um, but I just decided that, you know, regardless if I hit back with a fixed blade, that deer is going to die. So if I'm just smart about not pushing it, um, you know, should be good to go there. Whereas if I hit forward, now I should have enough, you know, power to be able to pound through and and get into the vitals on, on something. Right. So that's the thought process on it. but Yeah, I, I don't agree that, with that. that yeah. That's
2: my biggest fear of shooting those. If you can't get enough uh, speed to go through them,
0: yep. you're kind of screwed. But, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So then after you shoot yep. that that one, what, what do you go into then? Are you kind of on take a little break, spend time with the family, doe patrol, hunting with Colby?
1: Yeah, so I have a – two and a half year old daughter and I caught quite a bit of hell, um, because of my hunting habits, uh, during her, (laughs) during the, the previous, previous falls that where she was alive. (laughs) Um, So that was always a point of contention with my wife. Um, and she didn't grow up in a hunting family even though I was very clear about don't plan on seeing me from the time bow season opens until, you know, Christmas. Right, Um, right. I I guess I wasn't clear enough um, on my description. But anyways, (laughs) I decided to um, basically take time off from when I killed that buck until when I was going to start filming for, for Colby towards the end of October. Um, which I don't know how many points I scored or if those points even do anything, but the effort the effort was there.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I feel like that's not that much to ask. September to Christmas to not see. I mean like yeah. that's not right. that big a deal.
1: Exactly. What's that a couple that's months?
0: Um, yeah, yeah. That's I don't know. We gotta get that worked out a little bit.
1: Yep. And then I come back home and I ruin up, I ruin all the flow that's going on, you know, because I got to stick my everything. So (laughs) I decided to, I decided to try to be a good husband and dad and, and take a, take a month off. Um, and I don't know, I think, I think it paid off we'll find out this year.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, at least for the rest of the season, the deer gods must have blessed you a little bit cuz once you got back with Colby, then then things really kept going pretty well for you. It,
1: it was a good year. Yeah, we Colby and I when we went out, I uh, believe it was October 29th, is when he killed killed his buck. We went out and We're walking out, had deer in the area where we're going to go, and um, we're able to figure out that they were doe and just kind of said, all right, let's just blow these deer out of here and get set up. And I don't know, we were set up for a couple of hours and decided, hadn't seen anything. The turkeys were gobbling that morning. Uh, but we had not seen any deer and just decided to throw a rattle out there and just like that (laughs) he had one coming in on a string and it was pretty cool to be able to be up in the tree with him and and film so that was the first time that in the years of of him and i hunting together that we were ever able to be sitting together when we you know one of us had, had got one so that was pretty pretty awesome
0: so is that something you've ever seen before? Rattling one in and having it just come in on a string, just calling blind like that?
1: So I was I was of the mindset up until a couple of years ago that rattling was the most pointless thing that you could do while in a tree. I felt like every time I went out there and tried to rattle that nothing ever happened. I think I had up up until a couple of years ago I had rattled one deer in. Um, and he came from a direction I wasn't expecting and I ended up turning my head and there he was and he pegged me and boom he was gone Um, but I had had always been using like a rattle bag or I think like the pack rack was one that I had it's a little plastic thing that you twist your hands together and it's supposed to sound like deer horns I had bought the uh, black rack, which came with the extinguisher call, uh, no success with that, and I just decided to get rid of all of those and you know all the dust collectors that I had in my garage, uh, whether it be sheds or you know bucks that I wasn't going to mount. Um, I ended up putting together a set of horns off of those, a uh, couple bigger, thicker uh, bucks that just you know had one weak side and when i started using real horns rattling became a very effective method of of calling so
0: wow uh, yeah so maybe there's just something think to it, that
2: yeah i don't i don't use real ones either and i've had no success huh rattling
0: right
1: yeah i don't i mean there's so much marketing that goes into everything with hunting and if you use whatever it is that that you're using if it's a a man-made object and then you take a real set of horns next to it they sound nothing alike so you know why did i even switch i'm trying to remember i think i was sitting one day and i had two bucks square off in front of me and i was just dumbfounded by the amount of noise that they made i was like holy cow like the crack that you hear when those things hit horns is just unbelievable so um i decided that i was gonna get the, the saws all out and make myself a set of of horns to to rattle with and i have not even considered bringing any synthetic horns or you know imitation horns out there with me since know it just it makes all the difference in the world Um, you got to be smart about when you're rattling and I typically try not to to do it blind but you know slow morning when you know I know that I'm probably going to be getting out within the next hour or two I'll I'll let a blind rattle out and I've had (laughs) I've had a lot of deer come into it
0: wow so then to that point it makes, it works better if you just decide you're really going to go for it, really hit them hard and not try and be too quiet with it.
1: Yeah. Yep. And like I will, if there's branches and stuff on the trees next to me, I'll make sure that as I'm doing this, I got, you know, uh, I'm always in a harness, so I got a leg wrapped around a branch and I can make, Noise and have leaves rustling and sticks cracking and um, you know, I think it works best from the ground. To be honest with you, because I think you know every time I've done it from the ground, um, well, not every time, but most of the time when I do it from the ground, I have better success than I do from up in a tree. And you know, they deer use their ears to to locate things, and I think they can tell the difference between a buck fight that's happening 20 feet off the ground versus something that's happening, you know, at ground level.
2: When you say on the ground, are you sitting on the ground or are you wrapping your horns on a rope and dropping them on the ground? And cause I've seen that, that happen too. Oh,
1: yeah. No, I will. And I won't even sit on the ground. I will be, I will be on the ground and I'll find a, a patch of brush that's next to me and I'll be jumping into the brush and, I'll be kicking my feet and I'll be stomping my feet and, and running back and forth. And I'm usually pretty gassed by the end of the, <laughs> the rattling secrets, you know. but trying to make it as, as realistic as possible. Cause you need, like I said, I don't know if you've never heard two deer square off in the woods um, there, people are worried about rattling too loud. You can't rattle too loud. It's, it's impossible for you to, to, mimic what happens when two mature mature deer square off um, i just feel like you you got to try to make it real so you know rustling leaves around stomping your feet on the ground you know they crash into sticks and trees and brush and as they're pushing each other back and forth and the more of that you can get into a sequence the more realistic it's going to sound for a for a deer
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense because i guess it's something you don't always think about but They can smell so much better than we can. They can hear so much better than we can. So even if you go to the store and you find something that we think sounds pretty close, they can probably tell a difference for sure just because they can hear so much better. So that's that's something, yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people, even if they go with the regular antlers and are up in a tree, there's not a lot of people who are probably going to be down on the ground, doing a whole thing, Mm -hmm. rustling leaves around, whatever, just because it's so counterintuitive to what you're trying to do normally, like 90% of the season when you're trying to be as quiet as possible, as minimal movement as possible, and all that stuff. So are you like up in a tree stand and then you climb down, do that whole thing, and then climb back up?
1: So I've done it both ways. Uh, Like I said, if I I have stuff around me, I'll – I'll use whatever's around me up in the, up in the tree. Like I've, you know, you can at times get a little bit bored while you're sitting up there. Sure. So I've taken my, I've taken the, the rope that I used to pull my bow up into the tree and sat there flinging it off the tree to get it around branches and stuff. And I'll get it to loop around. And then as I'm rattling and moving my hands, now I'm shaking those branches um,
2: ah, that are up in the tree. That's smart. Yep.
1: Um, I've also I've also lowered my bow down to the ground uh, because, and you learn everything by screwing it up. Um, I had one time where I climbed down to the ground and rattled, and fortunately it was not a shooter buck, but um, I did what I was talking about where I'm running around in the leaves and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, there's a deer coming. I'm like, oh, well, oh, there's my bow.
0: Yeah, right.
1: 25 feet up the tree. So that's not doing me a whole lot of good right now. So I'll I'll lower the bow down, rattle, and if nothing's coming my way, it's like I'm climbing that tree as as fast as I possibly can and get myself hooked back in um, before I'm before I'm situated again. So I don't know. It might be it might be crazy, but that's. Do a lot of crazy things to to shoot a mature deer
0: yeah exactly and sometimes it's the crazy things that end up working the best we might need a video demonstration on that yeah this year i I would love to see it
1: gladly gladly (laughs) olby might have one of me when we were over in minnesota um i can't i don't know if he was filming or not but i was supposed to be filming for him and I ended up going, um, about a hundred yards away from, from him. And on the way back, I was down on the bottom and I was doing, did the same thing I'm just talking about, but I was down on the ground on the edge of a swamp and I don't know, jumping on top of trees and <laughs> sitting there kicking sticks to make them break. And I'm sure it looks, absolutely ridiculous but i'd be happy to give the people some entertainment
0: (laughs) oh yeah i think everybody would love that especially if we get some video proof then of how well it works i think then uh that would right that would really be awesome so
1: yeah i'll take the horns with me actually in in september too oh really um yeah i couldn't tell you how many and it's a different kind of rattling and i'll do that from the tree but um I can tell you how many times over the years I've heard or seen deer just sparring a little bit and just kind of feeling out the hierarchy of the herd and where they just tickle the horns together and it's real light, you know, just tick, tick, tick. And so I'll take the horns up in the tree in early season. I'll just kind of put them together and make real light, light noises and, and some grunts. Um, if I haven't seen anything about 45 minutes before, before dark, I'll try, try doing that to see if I can get one that's bedded near up, up on its feet.
0: So then if that works, do they come screaming in? Do they kind of just come moseying on in?
1: Nope. No, it's more of a curiosity type, type of thing. Right. Cause you know, they're not breeding or anything, but it's just kind of like, Oh, well there must be a couple bucks over there that are, getting ready to go out and eat maybe i'll get up and and see who's in the neighborhood type of thing
0: makes sense yeah for sure so you said then that the one that colby shot with a bow that was the first time that you guys have shot one sitting together
1: yep yep that was the first time that that had happened
0: that's always pretty cool we we love it when we get to share success like that when we're hunting in the same spot we we still haven't even done it with deer i don't know we've ever done with been deer with but with a couple times with turkeys and yeah. that's pretty sweet
1: yeah yeah it was awesome i mean <laughs> the whole after he after he shot i mean the whole tree was shaking from <laughs> from colby shaking he was so jacked you know his knees are clacking together and and the whole tree was shaking i'm like you cut it out. I'm trying to get this deer on <laughs> the camera here. Everything's shaking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I know he was yeah. having some troubles with his bow. And so I think then when he was finally able to just, you know, make a good shot and have it all come together like that, it was probably just a, a big sigh of relief.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: And that one, you got a lot of good footage of kind of coming in and getting right up to the shot and everything. I suppose it helps a lot to have just a dedicated cameraman. But that was, that was some good camera work there.
1: Oh, it's so much easier when you don't have to make a shot and all you you have to focus on is keeping the deer in the frame and not being the one that blows it. Yeah.
0: So what was the story with that buck? Was that one you guys had been watching a bunch or was he just kind of a new one with the rut?
1: Well, that was one that we had pictures of in August and, uh, you know, th- this all happened so fast, um, but I, we figured that he was a a two and a half or three and a half year old. I don't know that he ever got him aged, um, so he was. That was a deer that that we had talked about letting go, um, but neither of us, when the thing was coming in, saw the split G two on the one side, and he just saw, you know, a good buck and was excited about it and shot. And you know, we're both of the agreement that, and we're going to try to let the younger ones go. Um, My buck, actually, we had an age that ended up being a three and a half year old. We both thought he was a four and a half year old. Yeah. Um, So we we're trying to let them get to four and a half before we're going to shoot them. But we've both come to the agreement that if they get the, if they get the heart pumping and you want to shoot it, shoot it. And neither of us are going to be going to be upset if you know (laughs) if one of us gets buck fever and 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 kills one of the up-and-comers so you know that was how it was pretty cool
0: yeah yep yep and it sounds like there was plenty of buck fever going on that day with the the shaking of the tree and whatnot
1: oh there's the fever was the fever was hot (laughs) so and i i was probably just as excited as he was um, you know, as soon as, as soon as I got that deer on camera, because I was trying to get this thing in the frame and I couldn't really tell because, you know, it's a pretty small screen that flips open. Like, I think he's in there. Um, but I was sitting there in between with my binoculars looking up and finally saw the thing, you know, lay his head down. And that's when my adrenaline kicked in because I was just (laughs) I was so focused on trying to film. Um, but once I knew it was a done deal, it was like, oh my God, he's, man, he's toast. Right. Are you sure? Yep. Yep, I'm sure. I just I just watched him put his head down. He is not moving. So, because you were at that point, I started to get the shakes.
0: You were up in the tree a little bit higher than he was. So you had a little bit better vantage point, I think. You could see all that, and he just yeah. lost them.
1: Yeah. Most of our sets are. 22 to 25 feet your feet are 22 to 25 feet off the ground so i went up above him you know he's not a small guy you know he's probably 6'3 so i don't know my feet were probably 30 30 32 feet off the ground oh my gosh that's up there there.
0: that is up there
1: so yeah i was i was up there
0: (laughs) oh man so then uh that one You could obviously see him go down, not too much trouble on the track job then, I imagine?
1: No, no track job needed. We just were able to walk right over to him.
0: Do you like it better that way if you get to watch him go down and you just go right up to it, or do you like a little bit of a challenge with the track job?
1: Well, you know, when Pat shoots him, I like a little challenge with the track job. Yeah, right, right. I like like to watch him go down.
0: (laughs) That makes sense. That definitely yeah. makes sense. Oh, man. So then that one that one was like the end of October, so then you had a little bit of yep. time in between then before gun season.
1: Yep. Well, so that happened, and, and the next day um, we ended up dropping that buck off because it was pretty warm that weekend, and typically – We'll butcher our own deer, but uh, we wanted to go over to Minnesota because that was going to be the following weekend, the Minnesota gun season. And we went over and, and spent the day um, scouting a bunch of the public uh, in Minnesota in the area that we were thinking of of hunting. So um, we dropped the deer off at uh, the meat locker and then jumped across the river and spent the day hiking. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's not a bad weekend there. Get a, shoot a deer and then start yeah. start looking for where you can go and shoot the next one. Then.
1: Yeah, yeah. Minnesota could have been epic. It could have could have made this this season. I guess it was already a pretty awesome year, uh, but it it could have made this year just unbelievable.
0: That's what I've heard. I don't know how much you want to talk about it if it's gonna bring up any bad memories or.
1: There's there are a couple of of bad memories that that go along with it. Yeah, um, I mean, how much you want to get into it? Are we gonna are we gonna do another one of these with with Colby on there too. Oh yeah, we'll, we had, yeah
0: we'll get Colby back on at some point. Get the four of us in here.
1: Yeah, because I mean, there's Minnesota could be its own its own episode, but I can give you the Cliff Notes version. Yeah, um, so. There was a spot that I had found that I had not scouted. However, um, I'm really big into river bottom. So um, it, I had hunted Minnesota every year uh, for the shotgun season with a group of guys, and I ended up finding a spot that uh, that was on, in a river bottom, and it was public land, but it was landlocked by private, and the only way that you could get there was by boat. So I had found a spot like that. Um, I took my canoe over to Minnesota with me. Um, did not end up using it this year, uh, but there's a spot that um, I wanted to that I wanted to check out that was similar. And you walked in, and then you would have had to wade across a creek to get back into a section that would be landlocked by private land. Um, so opening day, it was pouring pouring rain like it was ridiculous and I decided I'm gonna go I bought a license I'm over here I only have limited amount of time to do it so I'm gonna go check this spot out instead of trying to burn up one of the other areas that I had already scouted so I get my waders on and I have my climber and or no I didn't take my climber I took my uh my hang on my hang on set that you know, it was a little bit lighter weight. Um, it's an XOP. Uh, and then I got some Hawk helium sticks that go with it. So I took that, and I had my backpack that had clothes in it because I knew I was going to sweat getting in there. So, I mean, I am loaded down, and I take off. And the first part that I'm walking through is, like, swamp, nasty, thick muddy crap well there's a section of swamp that i needed to to walk across and it happened to be about 80 90 yards off of the highway so i go and i'm going across i got my gun in my hand my backpack and my tree stand on and sticks and i step out to walk across the section and i sink down in the mud and i am i'm stuck there (laughs) For every vehicle that's driving by to see. Oh <laughs> man. You've got to be kidding me. Like a little help over here. Right. About, like, well, if I drop like I can't put my gun down because there's nowhere to set it and then the thing's gonna be toast. Yep. I'm I'm waist deep in water. I just needed to keep it clean. You know? Yep, yep. <laughs> I'm yep. waist deep in water and my feet are stuck in the mud with waders on. I'm like, Oh my gosh. So I managed to, it took me about 45 minutes to shimmy my way oh my God. out of this mud pit. <laughs> oh, no. And by the time I get done with it, I am just sweating like ridiculous. And I'm thinking, Oh, there's nothing. There's definitely nothing in this pocket of thick stuff in front of me. And I figured that was bedding. So I just start walking while well, I get to the edge of it. And a buck jumps out of it, and it wasn't one that I wanted to shoot. I got the gun up. Okay, well, how did I not spook that deer out throughout the last forty-five minute, yeah, you know, fiasco? You know, he was just laying in there tight, probably never heard me because of the rain. Who knows? Um, and he goes taken off, and he runs through this other little pocket, and he must have kicked some doe up, because. I'm standing there, middle of the wide open, and I end up seeing like six deer <laughs> that, I, that I could have shot all of them. So I get to the creek and was gonna wade across. Well, the water level had come up so far from the rain. It was so high from the rain that I was not able to get across the creek with my waders on. Cause it was like, I got to the spot where I had about six inches to go. And I'm like, I'm not taking another step after what I've been through. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, on the way back, um, I'm like, all right, now I got to figure out how to get out of here. I ended up finding a tree and just sitting on, sitting next to the creek. Saw a couple of more deer, um, and ended up walking, walking out back to the truck, and going somewhere, a different piece that I had never looked at, uh, and sitting on the ground for that night. And that spot that I went that evening ended up being the spot where I missed a, an absolute giant, like, probably 160-plus inch. Oh, man. Here. Um, so, anyways, long story short, um, Pat and I went out together the next day, and um, we took waders in and walked across a different creek. He sat on one end of it. I sat on the other end of it. And, uh, late morning, he told me that he had a shooter buck come out and he saw it drinking out of a little pond, uh, in the middle of this, this marsh. And I went over and joined up with him. Um, I was going to film for him. Well, we were going to actually, no, I was going to, we were going to just sit together and shoot the breeze midday and then kind of try to set up one of us on each edge of this bedding area that this buck was in. Um, and hopefully one of us would end up getting a shot by, by the end of the day. So we're sitting there and it's about, I don't know, two o'clock. We're watching the Packers get smoked by the lions um, <laughs> on our phones. And it's like, all right, well, we should probably think about making something happen while well, a doe comes flying out of this area. Like, Oh, there's dope. You know, probably should get ready. And then the buck comes flying out. So we both had our guns. Colby had found it, so I told him, like, you know, go ahead and take it. Well, I never get the camera turned on in the midst of all this, so we have no footage of it, but that was a big deer, you know, probably 150-inch 10-pointer. I didn't take the time to zoom in and count all the points. It was right. just, yep, that's a um, So he takes a shot, and looked like he whiffed. I end up taking a shot. He's shooting a muzzle loader. I got a shotgun. As this thing's running away, I end up taking a shot. And you know, we didn't end up getting that that buck. But it's like that was a moment where buck fever set in. It's like, you know, if he would have just waited and I told him like go ahead and take him whenever if he'd have just waited another five seconds to, you know, settle in and get himself ready probably would have been a done deal. Um, I had to go back to work then the next day. And I went back into that area uh, that I was sitting in on, on Saturday evening. And I walked in there in the morning with a turkey call in my mouth and I waited for light and I just took a couple steps at a time and yelped. And I was hunting on a big draw and I decided, you know, the first, Solid trail that I see crossing this thing, um, I'm going to set up on because the ditches are so steep that you know there's only certain spots that deer deer will cross them. So I end up getting in there. My backpack's on the ground. Um, I go up a tree. I have my climber this day and had to cut a few branches. Get up there, get the gun pulled up. I'm about to pull the backpack up and I end up having a ended up being like a spike or a fork horn or something come walking right down the ridge towards me. And this thing walked about 10 yards away from me, um, backpack still on the ground and he ended up going across the ditch. So I'm watching him and I can hear another deer up above me. Um, so I grunted and this little buck like froze. And then it took off on a dead sprint up the hill on the other side. I'm like, a, a grunt shouldn't have done that. No. But then I see this tank walking down a logging road on the other side of the ditch, right to where this buck was.
0: Huh.
1: Like, oh, it's it's on. I'm like, I really don't have a good shot over there. It's probably a 80 to 100 yards um, I couldn't even range it because there's so many sticks and stuff in the way. And he gets right to the spot where that little buck crossed and he's sitting there looking across the ditch. He's looking and looking and looking I'm like he's coming. I just need him to commit to coming across the ditch. He was trying to figure out where that grunt came from. <laughs> Meanwhile, I can hear this other deer up above me still crunching on leaves And I wasn't even going to bother looking and see what that was. Um, And right as this thing takes a couple of steps towards the ditch, that other deer above me blows. You're, ah, you got to be kidding me. So this buck across from me is not committed anymore. And that deer probably winded me because it's morning, thermals are rising. I'm sure it just sucked my sent up to it um and i ended up sitting there and watching this deer at one point i had a real small shooting lane to shoot through but he didn't stop and eventually he stopped and i'm like this thing's about to take off so what i ended up doing is i put the crosshairs on his neck rather than trying to shoot at vitals Uh, with all those sticks and stuff in the way, I figured this is probably the most ethical thing. If there's a deflection and it misses by a little bit, it's just going to miss the deer rather than having to be a poor shot. Sure. Um, If I hit him, he's going to be down. So I basically put it right here behind, behind his head on his, on his neck. Yep. So I shot deer runs off and I could, hear a bunch of sticks and stuff breaking so for a little bit i thought oh maybe i got him but then i thought about it and i'm like no if i would have hit him he probably would have dropped and i went over to look for blood and long story short i'm crawling around on my hands and knees <coughs> and <clears throat> eventually i find some hair i'm like oh no this isn't good found some hair and i find one little speck of blood Oh, here we go, crawling around my hands and knees a little bit more, find another little speck of blood, and then right next to it is like the skeleton of a tick that was just blown apart. So I ended mm. up just going right under his neck, and I'm and I probably clipped a tick off of his neck that was that was sucking yes. on him. Wow. That's where the blood was coming from. Huh. So. That was a no-go, so that would have been pretty cool. Meanwhile, I have about zero service in there. Um, I go back and get all my stuff packed up, start heading back, and I get a call from Pat, and he's like, dude, I just just missed another buck. (laughs) What? (laughs) Missed another one? He's like, yeah. I squeezed the trigger, and my gun didn't go off, so I – started to like look away and then all of a sudden boom it went off so he hadn't cleaned his muzzle loader uh well he cleaned his muzzle loader but he didn't clean the um anything on the inside he just cleaned the barrel so he must have ended up having some build up in a delayed um you know delayed shot there's a a gap between when he pulled the trigger and when his shot ignited and took off well, then I start getting text messages that were sent throughout the morning, and Mike, our other buddy, also missed a deer that morning. So, <laughs> it, so at that point, we were zero for four in Minnesota, and um, that's that's about the end of the of the Minnesota journey. We'll leave it at that.
0: Yeah, because I, I, you know, we were in communication with all of this and and then afterwards too and Colby's told us a little bit about it and it's like the about the best trip that you could hope for aside from not bringing home any of the deer that you shot at like everything yeah. everything was right it's just that we didn't end up hitting the deer and i guess that's just how it goes sometimes
1: yeah i mean oh bluff country it's hard hunting for
0: sure especially with shotguns and muzzle loaders yeah
1: yeah and uh, archery like it's tough it's tough hunting i mean the the deer like flatland all you got to worry about is where's the wind blowing and you get into these hills and it says it's a north wind so you go to a spot and because of the way the wind is wrapping around the bluff it feels more like a south and you got thermals that are in place. So in the mornings, everything's getting sucked up. So you're not really able to sit on the bottom um, because a lot of times your scent is, the wind's gonna swirl one, and your scent is gonna get pulled up to where those deer are bedded. Um, It just, it's hard. And until you're in a spot, you don't know what it's gonna do because there's other spots where it's like, yep, a north wind should be good. And you get there and north wind is good um so you just kind of have to figure it out by going in there and doing it but the positive is you know from doing this for the last i don't know 17 years or so um, i can look at a map and pretty much tell you like this is where we need to be in this spot and you know colby same thing and i think this year is proof. Like, all these were spots that we had never, never hunted before, and we scouted it with a map. Colby and I put boots on the ground for for a day to go into a couple of these spots and verify them. Not all of the spots that we were in, and we ended up seeing a lot of good, a lot of good deer, uh, despite heavy human pressure in the surrounding areas.
2: That's the best you can do is just get out there and look look and see what, what you're dealing with, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I
0: mean, the the mobile scouting and all that stuff, it kind of changes the game a little bit because you can learn a good amount before you ever have to put boots on the ground, but at a certain point, there's just no substitute. You got to get out there. But the more you do that, then, like you said, obviously, then the better you can get at looking at something on, you know, Onyx or whatever and be like, yeah, this is going to be good or this isn't going to be very good because you have all that experience. But so Minnesota was basically the definition of bittersweet, but then you came back to Wisconsin and then, you know, things, things (laughs) went pretty well from there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They, they did. Uh, um, So Colby, Colby's family has a, has an 80 and, central wisconsin and that's kind of been our gun spot um you know as tempting as it is to chase around the giants down here in the hills um, the tradition is always go up to go up to deer camp and i don't even care what caliber of deer is running around up there it's just fun to go up to deer camp um, Right. With COVID in 2020, um, I didn't go. I believe my wife's non-hunting family in 2019 scheduled family Thanksgiving uh, for opening weekend. Oof. Oh, no and way. <laughs> I was given the, yeah, just go ahead. Um, uh-huh. Meaning you better not go if you want to stay married um you know after a couple years you can translate those those types of things um and then last year what happened oh colby colby got covid last year in 2021 that's right i think he was sleeping in his car at that point yeah he went up to deer camp and slept (laughs) in his truck so i didn't go to deer camp so it was three years in a row that i was not in deer camp and um in the meantime uh the woods that uh that that his family owns was logged Um, so it changed the woods a lot it's a lot more open Uh, we used to go up there and sit and a couple of us would only be you know 90 yards apart Uh, so i still wanted to go and i'm like whatever it doesn't matter if we're both hunting at the same time. Let's just draw a line through the center of the blind, and if there's one that we want to shoot on my side, I'll shoot it. If it's on your side, you shoot it. Yep. So we're sitting up there together, which was which was awesome. Um, you know, it makes time go by so much faster when you're when you're sitting there together. Now we had awesome action. Like I don't know how many deer we saw opening day. Probably 40, 40 deer plus on opening day it was like we couldn't go a half hour without seeing them we had that snow um so a lot of the deer that we saw we'd never would have seen without the snow it was just like you could see a little bit of movement way back in the sticks get the binoculars up and be able to kind of figure out what it, what they were
0: yeah um
1: but yeah we ended up i can't remember what time it was when he when he shot that i think it was afternoon um but we all have walkies with us to be able to communicate if one of us is walking back to the cabin, um, more for a safety reason. And his brother, I think, said on the walkie, at least what we heard him say on the walkie, was shooter buck coming. Um, so what had happened? We, were, we had switched seats because the wind was blowing so hard at Colby's side of the blind that he wasn't going to dare try to take a leak out of that side of the blind. (laughs) So we switched so he could get on my side where he could have the wind at his back as he took a leak out of the blind. Um, And then we just never had switched back. Well, when the call came through, without even thinking about it, we'd have a little fire drill going on inside the blind and end up switching seats. I get back to my spot. He gets to his spot. He gets the gun up. I'm trying to get the camera up. And on those cameras, there's a little button that says photo right by the zoom. So I got the camera where I wanted it and I tried to hit the zoom and must have bumped the photo button. So then there's a black box that pops up in the middle of the screen. It says says something about how I can't take a photo right now because I'm in the middle of recording a video. Um, And so, I don't know, you can see it in the footage that things all over the place and I'm trying to figure out how to get this box to go away. And I hear, boom. <laughs> okay. Well, lucky, lucky enough. The thing ended up in the corner, terrible footage, but pretty cool story.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like after everything you went through the past couple of years to not be at deer camp, it's like, if you had the opportunity, you really couldn't miss it. And then to see all those deer and to be with your buddy like that because it, it was so cold that weekend i remember i was just in a tree stand no heater no nothing no walls just up in a tree shivering cold as can be and even if you were in applying there's no way you could have been that warm it was so cold but it, it obviously makes it a lot better and you can see it in the um in the video it makes it a lot better to have somebody there with you because you guys seem to have a lot of fun and um you know you got a lot of good little kind of talking points in between action and whatever that that kind of made it really fun and I think the video there and how well it is done really highlights that a lot of people feel the same way as what you shared about deer camp just being, you know, such a such a big tradition and all the camaraderie that it kind of becomes more than the deer. You know, it's about something a little bit more at that point.
1: Yep. Yep. Look forward to doing that. And Pat's dad, he's, he's got a story for everything. And, you know, it's, we always look forward to hearing the same, the same stories about 1978, this, you know, know, it's, it's just a good time. A lot lot of laughs and, you know, a couple headaches in the morning and, (laughs) you know, you get to get to share it with good people. And that's, that's really what makes it fun. Um, for anything whether it's hunting or any memory if you ask somebody you know tell me about your best memory and then you say tell me who it was with everybody's going to have somebody that it was with it's never never going to be something that they did just you know by themselves it's yeah it's always be. these are the people that were with me when when that happened so
0: so in the past couple weeks we've been talking a little bit more about like food and and wild game cooking and all that kind of stuff. So what's, what's the go-to meal at deer camp?
1: Well, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. When, when Colby was crowned camp cook without a cook off. um, (laughs) That was Jake. That was Jake. There there wasn't much. I took a little offense offense to that. Colby's a really good cook. Um, But, but I do a lot of, I do a lot of cooking. So, and it, you know, Noah, you're gonna like this, but I, I really love wrapping bacon around stuff. <laughs> so, but no, I, I don't know. We, I think I brought, I brought uh, big tomahawk steaks that were about, uh, you know, three pounds a piece. Oh wow. You know, tomahawk ribeyes. So it's a, it's a ribeye that's cut about, you know, two, two and a half inches thick, on the rib, the rib sticking out. So I, that's what I brought up with me and and we doctored those up for for saturday night uh,
0: that's not that's not too bad i yeah, could we do have, steaks we
2: do steaks on saturday night too
0: yeah yeah that sounds pretty good to me looking forward to that yeah. someday hopefully uh you know maybe we talked a little bit about minnesota getting together this year maybe maybe something there and can have a, a a real official cook-off yep and the people Bring that it. people that benefit <laughs> will just be all the people who get to eat it, because I don't really care who cooks it as long as it's good food.
1: Oh yeah, yep, a lot of good food.
0: And then, uh, you know, there's still uh, at this point one more buck that's got to hit the dirt.
1: One more, yep, yeah, my Wisconsin buck. I and I feel I feel terrible about this one too. Um, so, my stepson who is 11, Um, he's been really into hunting and and I've been getting him out there and he just wanted to get a buck this year. Uh, He's shot a bunch of doe. He got his first one, he was eight. Um, And he just really wanted a buck. So uh, that property that Pat and I bow hunt on uh, takes a significant amount of pressure uh, during the gun season. Um, and there's a bunch of multiple reasons for that but um I, I had told him that you know if you want to get a buck so i had one morning with him uh before he had to go back with his with his dad and i wanted to take him where i shot this buck and i wanted to take him that evening but um he had other other plans uh that were that were made for him so he wasn't able to come along so that should should have been his first buck in the morning we climbed up yeah in the morning we climbed up um literally crawled straight up uh, one of the points on this property it's about 300 feet of elevation change and if you put a line on you know onyx that happens over a span of 90 yards as the crow flies so we literally crawled up onto this point and had been getting daylight pictures of bucks on there, despite all the pressure. So tried to get up there before they had come back in there to to bed. And it ended up being a coyote morning where the yotes had had run everything out of there. Um, So we saw like three or four coyotes and he didn't end up getting a shot at one of them. Uh, So that was was disappointing. Uh, But then I was gonna take him to where I ended up killing that buck that night is in an area called that we call the the corner woods so he wasn't with me um his birthday's in september so in september he really wanted an e-bike i thought that's a great idea uh-huh. <laughs> and he just wanted one with normal tires and i thought no we need to get you a fat tire right fat tire <laughs> e-bike
0: go big or go home
1: <laughs> right so i i did i Ponied it up i bought him a fat tire fat tire e-bike and you know i ended up being the lucky one that got to use it that day so <laughs> saved me a few quite a few steps i drove the e-bike over there and um, parked only ended up having to walk probably about 150 yards snuck down in there and ended up getting set up so this this spot i was I was sort of close to the property line. I was probably 50, 50 yards away from, from where the property line is at. And uh, we had been getting pictures of this buck in in that area. Um, so I went in there and I don't know what time it was, probably 3.30 or something. All of a sudden I hear some rustling and look, and 80 90 yards away from me there's a buck standing up so this thing was bedded there the whole time and on my walk in i walked past two different beds that were definitely buck beds uh, that had been used within the last week so he must have the wind was sort of shifting throughout that day and i bet he was bedded right where i walked in in the morning and got up and moved 100, 150 yards away uh, sometime midday. So he stands up and he was, he was headed my direction and I'm all ready to go. And he turns like he's going to go up towards the field that's up there. Oh, dang it. And I had a, the can in my pocket. Whether this did anything or not, I, don't, I have no idea. But I tipped the can a few times and he stopped um and he went back to browsing and then when he stopped browsing he ended up turning and started walking he started walking straight at me like awesome so he got right about to where I was going to shoot and he gets into this deadfall and beds down so I got the gun up on him and I'm ready to squeeze I got the camera And as he's walking, there's a big tree. Of course, there's a huge tree that's right between him and and where I'm at. And, like, the camera's on my right side, and he's getting over to my left side. And I'm not small myself. You know, I got clothes on and layers, and I'm, like, trying to get as small as I can to get this (laughs) camera wrapped around me so that it can, you know, Get him around this tree because you know, if he would have just walked another 10 yards, it wouldn't have been a problem. I'd have just been able to turn the camera, but where he was at, I needed to get this thing closer to get an angle at him, bedded down. Well, I don't know how long he was bedded for, but it was probably eight to 10 minutes, and it felt like 25 because I'm sitting there, my arm's dead. I'm like, right. Ugh should I just put the gun down? Like, no, if I put the gun down, I'm going to end up having to, you know, I'm going to end up bumping the camera with my elbow or something. So I just held it and held it and held it. And he stood up. And when I shot, you know, his head ended up being behind the tree. You could see him in the frame when I shot, but there was no way that I was going to be able to get him completely in the frame. And he was only about, I don't know, five to eight yards across the property line where I shot him. So a few more steps. I think if you look at the the video, you can see some logs that are on the, on the ground, um, kind of where he's going to Well, those logs are right on the property line, the neighbor had put those there to sort of declare where the property line is. So like, he's not far. Yeah. If He gets on the other side of this tree. I'm probably not going to get a shot. So I ended up shooting him and he ended up being my, my best, best gun buck um he ran ran off and i saw him crash and knew that it was a it was a done deal so
0: it was tank
1: capped off a really nice year
0: yeah that that was a really 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 good
1: buck there
0: he is oh there he is
1: (laughs) there he is so you know he's a stand he's an eight pointer he's not like I shouldn't say he's nothing crazy, but for down here he's nothing that's super crazy. He's just a, a real nice buck and I was I was certainly happy with him. So
0: But as a straight eight goes, that's that's, that's a pretty a, big yeah. straight eight yeah.
1: there. Uh, this one's thirteen.
0: <laughs> the camera tall. does not do justice then. No, it doesn't. No. You can tell, especially so, when you hold it backwards, just the. What's the inside spread on that?
1: Uh, it's, He's about 19 and a half. Goodness.
0: Yeah. Not Really not, nice buck. Not bad on the Brow Tines either. Yeah, that's a fantastic yep. buck. Man, that's. So,
1: yeah, that's great year. Yeah,
0: what a season. You can't ask for much better than that. I mean, you know, the Minnesota stuff, but all things considered
2: more of a, you can learn from all that too. And I'm sure yeah. you guys took away a lot of good spots and do's and don'ts. Yeah.
1: That's what you'll figure out as you, as you start to get older, like you become a better hunter because you've screwed up a lot. Right. Like, like I, I would consider myself as a, as a pretty good hunter. I still feel like I got a ways to go. Um, but I'm at the point where I am consistently putting myself in the ball game. I see a lot of good bucks, and you know, over the past few years, the encounters um, with good bucks have gone up significantly. So it only took me about you know 14, 15 years of bow hunting to get there because I didn't start until I was I think 20. This was my first year of bow hunting.
0: Well. So. yeah we, we definitely got a bit of an earlier start but we uh we have a long ways to go still certainly more more so me than than you but uh we, we still have a long long ways to go before we can really be up in that that top tier where we can get on public and you know be be in the ball game right away yeah. and go out of state and whatever but we're we're trying we're trying to get there with with turkeys too we went out of state this past year and um you know so we're we're getting there but just gonna just gonna take some time and i'm hoping next year might be the year when i really uh can get on get on a decent one hopefully
1: yeah well takes time in the time in the woods and you know just best advice i can give anybody is try to learn something every time that you go you know don't just go and be like i didn't see anything like Well, why didn't I see anything? You know, was it my, was it my access? Was it, uh, that the deer just weren't moving? Was it, was my wind bad? Like, you know, be analytical about why it is you're not seeing stuff. And when you screw up, be analytical about, okay, why didn't that work out in my favor? And use those opportunities to learn from and try your best not to make the same mistake. Like I said, after 15 years of doing that, you'll start to just, you'll start to be surrounded by them. Yep. it be like they're hunting you. <laughs>
0: yeah. I suppose the more mistakes you make, if, if you can just learn from them, then, you know, you don't, you don't make them twice or certainly don't make them three times. And by the time you get far enough down the line, you'll start to limit a lot more of those mistakes.
1: Yeah. I've shot a lot of nice bucks, but I don't even it it hurts to talk about the wall that I that I could have. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, you can't even go there. No, can't go there. Just chalk it up to learn something from that one. A lot of stupid stuff. A lot of a lot of errors made made by me that that prevented me from being successful.
0: Yeah, you win so. some, you lose some. That's that's just how she goes, but you guys have certainly certainly done quite a bit of winning and it's uh it's been fun to get to watch that now over the past couple of years and kind of get to be a part of it
1: yep for sure
0: yeah well it's uh it's getting a little bit late here we've been going for a while and i feel like we barely even really scratched the surface of all the stuff that we could get into and all the stories that could be told um But that's why we've got this podcast, so we can just come back another time and keep telling them
2: and hopefully do it in person soon.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, at some point. We'd love to have you in the studio.
1: Yeah, i got to make a trip over.
0: Hopefully during turkey season or something. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah,
1: Yeah. Yeah. we'll make it happen. We'll make it happen.
0: Yeah, that would be awesome. But it's been an absolute pleasure uh, getting to work with you and, and getting to work with Colby over the past couple of years and getting to be along for the ride and some of the hunts and adventures that you guys have had. And, um, I just, I can't wait to see what happens this year and, and in the years to come, I think there's going to be a lot of good stuff coming our way.
1: Yeah. I, I appreciate you guys having me on here and, and asking me to, to join the, join the team and, and be able to film. Um, you know, I think most fun part about it has been just, Having a having a uh, text string with a couple dudes that you know I've n- I've never even met, but you know just through sharing exchanging text messages and stuff throughout the year, um, you know I feel like the camaraderie and stuff that's built has been been pretty awesome. So you know, totally agree. One yep. of these days it's gonna happen. Absolutely. Look out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. When we're firing on all cylinders, we're gonna be a force <laughs> to be reckoned with.
1: That's right. That's
0: right. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Eli, for coming on today. This was a really good episode, and we really appreciate your time. Um, And thank you to everybody who stuck with us here and is watching and listening. Uh, Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel so you don't miss out. Um, We're going to have a lot of content coming down the pipeline for you guys and a lot of content that's already been produced, and a lot of that has been a huge thank you to Eli for Getting that this past year without them, we we would have been in pretty rough shape as mm-hmm. far as deer hunting yeah. content goes. So, that's we've got Eli to thank for that one for sure. And, uh, yeah, once again, thank you for being
1: here. You bet. The my chiropractor bill is on the way. Okay. <laughs> so, <you know.
0: laughs> All right. All right. We'll, uh, we'll see what we can do there. I don't know. You might be waiting a little while to, to get payment on that.
1: A couple more likes on the tube. So. All right, take it easy, fellas. All
0: right, thanks, Eli. Thank you.
1: Thanks, guys. We'll see you guys next time.